Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 2, titled Chapter 10, The Passenger. Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I thought it was a lot of fun. I know uh, some people, a lot of people, in fact, were probably expecting uh, Boba Fett, a Boba, Boba Landorian yeah. uh, episode um, to follow that. But like, I don't think that's this show's style. This show likes to keep it kind of fun and loose and episodic and uh, very X-Files and that you'll have a Mando of the Week episode where he gets a little bit more Beskar armor or he'll make a few more connections about his past or Baby Yoda's past. But like, it's not... It's it's not the kind of stuff we're used to where it's like, uh, y- y- you know, very serialized. Uh, yeah. One thing flows to another, flows to another, flows to another. Um, it's very much like the old Star Trek series. It's it's very much like the X-Files. Um, and with that, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, there's a and, and you're going to get these like tonal <laughs> conflicts like this is a show that wants me to empath- empathize with the frog ladies. Uh, and her la- like the the last of her genetic stock, the last of her bloodline, perhaps her species. Right, big speech about it. Right, just laying and, into Mando and, about not helping. And then Baby Yoda just just horfing these eggs like two fisted, <laughs> like yeah. commi- committing little Baby Yoda genocide. And I'm like, you, you gotta be that cute to get away with that. You have to. You d- yeah, you do. If this and was Jabba like, the Hutt eating those eggs, forget about it. I'm I you lost I guess me. There's, and then I guess there's the idea that like there's a there's a lot of eggs in that tank, you yeah, know. Like yeah. she can't even she's obviously not being like oh I had 52 eggs there's only 49 so like I did I think it, it think it's okay but it is I I I thought as I was laughing like this is really bizarre mm-hmm. that this show is encouraging me to like engage with Baby Yoda eating the last of this lady's babies, you know. Yeah, it was fun though and it was hilarious. Um, it, it feels thin, you know, like this is this is you <laughs> so we're we're on a like a we get distracted from a side quest of a sub quest of the main quest in this episode right it's like you're going after right. sephiroth but you get a little distracted at the gold saucer you know you're gambling a little bit having fun uh and then you know you go on your your stupid side quest and then you every time you think you're on the side quest and you can get this over with and get back to the main quest 15 fucking alpha dunks show up in the overworld and you got to fight them all. Like that's what this episode is. But honestly, I enjoyed it. Who cares? Right. Very, very rarely. Am I the guy in a podcast is kind of nodding and being like, I don't understand any of these references, <laughs> but I, it's all final I, fantasy seven. It's, it's in the news. Yeah. Man. They remade I, it. When you said Sephiroth, I'm like, I, I recognize that one, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree, and it does it does have that video game feel like we talked about last week that you've got like the main quest, and you know Mando uh, wanted to go on a side side quest or mm-hmm. got forced to because uh, Amy Sedaris is uh, Pilo um, Pelly, I think is her name. Pe- yeah, Pe- yeah, Pelly Mato. Uh, she kind of just forces this on him. Yeah, like it's it, the man is like, but I've got I've got other things I need to do. The people, you know what? Uh, and she's like, I don't give a shit. You you got this frog lady. Uh huh. Um. Who literally was is her name's Frog Lady and she speaks frog. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> I, I talked about the uh the the WPMs, the Wikipedia's per minute. Uh-huh. Um I, I wonder how much fun the fans have creating a stub article for Frog Lady, Species Frog, 
language frog. I, I mean, I, I looked it up. That's what. That's exactly what exists, and yeah. I'm sure that'll fill what else out. What you going like, to do? You know, frog lady's still in the picture, so maybe we'll learn a little bit more about her uh, as we go, and yeah. maybe she'll get even a name other than frog lady. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Uh, but it, and, you know, like I said, as, as much as this is um, more episodic than serialized, there's still a lot of cool like connections. You know, the 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 assassin droid that he dispatched in the prison heist episode came back in kind of an interesting way here. Um, and the the X wing pilots let him go because of the stuff that happened in that same episode. Yep, it all all connects. Dave uh, Filoni got a got another chance to jump into an X wing cockpit and mm-hmm. and and be a boss. So it is. Uh, like I said, I'm digging it. Like every every morning, I wake up on Friday and I'm excited to get to see the Mandalorian. Um, and yeah. even like this was a like you said a lightweight episode, but the spider battles was was really cool and kind of like scary and horrific and, and had a nice little escalation um and i loved the you know him trying to like push the razor crest through like this this big porky this thing uh, this thing's so beat up and like I, I made this joke on twitter that like i i posted the winnebago from Spaceballs and said man the razor crest really seen better days because uh-huh. that rear shot of it just kind of like bobbling through space and sparks it, it, it reminded me so much of like Lone Star's Winnebago uh, in bad need of repair. Yeah, but that's kind of like I said that that feel this feels even when it's kind of silly, it just feels like Star Wars. Like I, there's so many things that give me um, a, a Star Wars boner, like seeing the updated X-wing targeting computer graphics. They're just like they're not modern. They're not nothing like what these people would probably use, but they're deliberately recreations of the '70s stuff, just all cleaned up and looking cool. And how just cool the ice, the ice cave that they're exploring. Yeah. Um. And these these ice spiders out of nowhere that that uh, we're going to talk about, you know, when we get there. I I, I just think it's a uh, it's a lot of fun, and it it just effortlessly feels like Star Wars all the time. Even the way that they they shoot things, um, you, you know, they 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 use the language of star Wars. Like when you're cutting back and forth between the protagonist Mando, uh, in his cockpit and the antagonist in this case, uh, the X-wing pilots, right. Who, who are also, you know, in another part of this world, also protagonists in their own right. Uh, mm-hmm. that's what star Wars does. It shows you both sides of those battles, right? It shows you right. the red Baron and also the fighter, uh, pilots. He's trying to shoot down. Uh, yeah, you always have the Darth Vader in his red cockpit adjusting his thimble screws or whatever the hell is, you know. Right, right. Whatever he's got a twist on his thing that's vital to locking on the Luke's X-Wing, he's doing his thing. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. so it feels neat. like Star Wars that way. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, let's get into the recap. Um, We start off right where we left off last time. Um, He's Mando's on the way back to his ship. He's walking through the desert. Um, he's ambushed by a few bounty hunters. One of them grabs, or are they bounty hunters? I, I don't even know who they are at this point because that, it seems like, cause they, they, they did. I, I felt like that they recognized and were looking for the child for sure. They were. Um, but then, you know, one of them 
takes the child, takes Baby Yoda, and puts a knife to its its neck. But Mando makes this trade for the jetpack, which makes me think like, oh, he's not really that concerned with getting the child. He's more just concerned with like getting something out of this. Is he like a hired gun that the bounty hunters hired, or is he just like realizing, oh, I can't, I can't make this play right now? I think it's the latter. Like he had a crew of like four or five, and they were going to take the Mando down and like kill him. And take and like once it was just him and the Mando. The Mando's like, look, you hurt this child, and I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. It's a it's a fact. It's a fact of life. Or you can take this highly lo- we 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 know how much this Mandalorian armor is worth. The yep. Beskar alone. You got the jetpack. Like that's that's probably going to be a couple years pay for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's the other interesting thing is like this. We don't know much about Mandalorian armor. And its capabilities. So this show is is kind of like has the ability to just have the Mando pull shit out of his ass. Like, oh, I can remote control this thing now. And yeah, I mean, he always you know, does that wrist thing. Uh, you know, like puts his hand to his wrist when he's operating the jetpack, right? So like, does he? Oh, I never noticed that. I, I figured there was. I thought he be did. some kind of. Yeah, I always assumed it was some kind of like rocketeer style hand controls. Uh, but but. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like uh, it. So, but, th- like you probably could have seen this coming if you noticed it. Uh, but yeah, it's he's just too cool for school, man. He's, you know, he's gonna make this deal. He's gonna get what he wants. He's gonna take back the thing he traded. Like he's don't yeah. mistake Mando for like this honest good guy, right? He's a bounty hunter. He's especially when he's dealing with he's people a scoundrel. hunting down because he doesn't take contracts against children. Yeah. So like when he's dealing with a bounty hunter, it's gunning for the child. Like he doesn't give a fuck about what doing. Like he'll string you up and let you get torn apart by wild animals. He'll drop you in a Sarlacc pit. He'll send you into low earth orbit with his jetpack. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I did speaking of this thing, like star Wars. I also love how they really lean into like that George Lucas fascination with like the sound of the engines. Like when Mando's like tear assing across the desert, and that speeder bike is going by. It just sounds like it's 12 angry V8s all uh, uh, tied together. Yeah. Um, I I do. Sometimes the it's very Looney Tunes. I don't know what it would take to actually hurt Baby Yoda. Because like going 150 miles an hour in a motorcycle and just getting like clotheslined yeah. and then tumble out like head first ain't going to do it. <laughs> right. Uh, it's probably anything that is intentionally designed to hurt him, right? Like if if you got a knife to him, if you got a blaster trained on him, if you got a flamethrower you're going to try and light him up with. I keep saying him. I don't know what it is, but it's it's an it. Uh, yeah, anything that the show says is intentionally designed to hurt him will hurt him. Anything that it doesn't say that about will do nothing. It was very cute. Like this is a you know, baby Yoda is a much bigger part of this episode than in previous uh, the previous installment, and uh, the way Baby Yoda runs over to the Mandalorian after the bounty hunter gives and like gr- grabs onto his lower legs, and it's, it's very. Oh my god! There are so many cute baby mo- baby Yoda moments, like the ice fighters yeah. when he's running away from the ice fighters when he discovers him. <laughs> he's making all these like scared noises. It's relentlessly cute. Although I got to say during that scene, like there was until the big one stuff, I'm like, is he just going to eat his way out of this? Like <laughs> this kid's a bottomless pit. Like he could just be yeah. like, start, you know, horf, 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 all over the place with him. Yeah. Devil fist and ice spider. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that, man. <laughs> yeah. Double, and he's getting his feet involved too. Just like, just, oh yeah. Uh, all four limbs is shoving, shoving spiders in his face as, as fast as he can. 
Uh, so his speeder is completely destroyed, and Mando has to walk back to Mos Eisley, uh, where he finds Peli gambling in a cantina, and he's able to get a lead on more Mandalorians from her, but there's a catch. Uh, he has to transport the contact, which we know is Frog Lady, uh, one sector over, and he can't jump into hyperspace because if he does, her spawn will die. Um, and he's For assured, reasons? look, there are definitely Mandalorians there, and so they head off on their task. Uh... I wonder is uh, I, since Peli Mo- Motto seemed like she was like I don't know if you say the word yeah she was lying to Mandalorian she's lying to the Mandalorian this whole episode yeah like I'm wondering if it's gonna just gonna be a bust this next like like each like the, what does this frog lady know for Mandalorians yeah how many times can you do this though how many times can it be the marshal in Boba Fett's armor or you know, a, a scarecrow that just happens to be wearing a Mandalorian uh, gauntlet. I don't know. Especially don't know. when we know the actual Boba Fett or what we strongly believe is the actual Boba Fett is is, is stalking the Mandalorian. Now. Right. Um, yeah, it will be disappointing if they continue to do that. But I, I don't know. I have faith. Speaking of uh, Wikipedia entries, this alien she's playing Sabak with or whatever, uh, Dr. Mandible literally Dr. He's Mandible got, is his name because he's got he's got big mandibles uh, you look him up on Wikipedia's doc, Dr. Mandible yeah wow uh, he, he's got a species it's like the Killik or something yeah um, but yeah yeah it's uh, I, I kind of I'm wondering if this will descend in like Rick and Morty territory where it's like you'll have an alien called poo poo penis face or something because uh-huh. like, I feel like that's that's about the level uh, it's frog lady and um Dr. Mandible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's break for lunch, everybody. Move on. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty ridiculous, uh, but I enjoyed it. I, I also like that th- the first scene makes me think like like when they take the jetpack from Mando, I'm like, fuck, that's the coolest thing about Mando. They're going to take that away from him. And then the rest of the episode is going to be like him trying to overcome some jetpack deficiency he has. And then. They subvert that, and they're like, oh, they give the jetpack right back. But then they take his hyperdrive away, and I'm like, ah, man. Yeah, I, I do feel like that there's a little bit of that. Like, I, I was like, oh, because the jetpack opens up so much more combat possibilities. Right. That I'm like, well, how do you balance? It's like anytime you start the sequel of a video game, they find some way to take your, you know, like uh, at the yeah. end of... You know, The Witcher, you had all this shit that you could do, and then you start The Witcher 2, and somehow Geralt's forgot all of his goddamn spells, and all of his, he's got to learn it all, and, and they, they got to find a way to depower, and I'm like, I wonder, it's like, oh, so they gave him the jetpack, he used it a couple times memorably, now they're going to take it away because it limits the storytelling possibilities. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do that, like, like constantly shift the things and on the guys that he is... Uh, Bounty hunter on the run with not a lot of access to funds and and money and stuff. So like he will be even though like if he was at his full power with a bankroll behind him, he'd be unstoppable. They're going to find these ways to kind of take some of that power back in realistic ways, which it's fine. It's it's an interesting challenge as a storyteller. Yeah. I don't know how long it takes to get from, you know, where from Tatooine to wherever the hell they're going. I forget the name of the place or if it was even given. Um but planet ice spider is what it was it, no it's some gas no, giant. No, no, no. They yeah. mentioned some gas giant yeah yeah i think i wrote down the name somewhere but um it, i don't know how long it takes there to get there but maybe they'll have multiple episodes like i i absolutely see them 
needing to jump to hyperspace, right? Like they're being chased down by Boba Fett or whatever in Slave One, which would be fucking amazing. Uh, and, and they can't jump to hyperspace for whatever, you know, because otherwise it kills these eggs. So like they're 100% setting that up. There's there's no way they're not going to do that. Uh, yeah. I'm just looking forward to how they're going to use it. I also really like them roasting the crate dragon meat cube over an ion engine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and uh, Amy Sedaris just carving off floppy pieces of this crate baloney and <laughs> shoving uh-huh. gre- these greasy wedges in her mouth. It's 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 again, it feels very Star Wars. I'm like, how efficient is that? Like firing up this uh, star drive, the 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 barbecue, this dragon versus like, I don't know, cooking it over a grill. Um, yeah, but uh, it feels it's like feels Star Wars as fuck. Star Trek, everything runs on kyber crystals, and so like the dilithium crystals, they're just kind of endless, you know. Sure, yeah. Until until the story needs you to run out, and then you cracked it. Oh, you cracked it. Exactly. That thing would have been good for another fifty star years, and you done cracked it, Scotty. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so they head out, and on their journey, Mando tries and fails to communicate with the Frog Lady. Baby Yoda eats one of her spawn, and they're stopped by a pair of X-Wings. Um, the, these X-Wing pilots realize that he was on that prison transport ship and chase him to a planet where he tries to evade them by diving into a canyon. He manages to lose them, but crashes in the process, and his ship falls into an ice cavern. Yeah. It's a bunch of things. Like um, I remember when I'm watching, because I never know when the show is going to do, what the show is going to do. Um, like Baby Yoda looked like he's starting to use the force on the eggs. I'm like... Is this going to be another Vergence in the Force? Like, oh no. After the Mandalorian runs its course 50 years later, like, you know, 59 ABY after the Battle of Yavin, is there going to be some Force sensitive frog? Yeah. It's like half the chosen Yoda, one. Frog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, he just wants to shove as many of these things in his face as he can, the greedy little bastard. Love it. Uh, Another and, neat detail I liked is that uh-huh. Mando, you know, he he speaks multiple languages. We've seen that he speaks Tuscan. Hell fluently. yeah, he does. Hatties now, you know, and which makes sense. You know, Boba Fett obviously would have probably been able to speak Hatties to some degree. Uh, but yeah, it's cool to see that he's he knows so many languages. I wonder because like it's like okay, you got Hatties and you got Tuscan Raider. Um, I wonder if he specializes in languages that are on kind of the fringes of society because we know that these worlds are out on the outer rim where there's not as much police and official government protection at all. I wonder if that's like where a bounty hunter kind of like lives his life so he maybe not doesn't know Corellian or whatever the the inner city world languages are. Well, he obviously knows basic, but Uh, you know, he doesn't, he can't speak Mon Cal or something like that, but he can speak Huttese, he can speak Tuscan, right? The the kind of outlaw fringes of society he's he's more familiar with, which that makes a lot of sense for what it, what he's doing. Sure. I also love the detail. I don't know if they've established this that that little corner cuddy on the right hand side of the the interior of the Razorbacks hold set was his like private quarters because he's always throwing Baby Yoda in there, right? But right. it's like it looks like it's his like he's got this like little coffin sized closet room that's just big enough for a cot and where he's got baby Yoda and they sleep in there together. I thought that was cute. Yeah, his little I bunk. didn't realize that that was his bedroom and he's sharing it with baby Yoda. Yeah. It's nice. Uh I, I like the scenes where he's being chased. I mean they're beautiful, eh? Like flying around in all these clouds and this ice planet oh, yeah. and this cavern, um, this canyon. I do wonder why he's flying around clouds. Like, look, I've been on an airplane. They fly through the fuckers. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't care <laughs> about clouds when they're flying. 
Maybe uh, he doesn't have uh, instrument rating on the the Razor Crest. He's got to keep it the visual flight range. <laughs> it seems like it, yeah, because like later he talks about flying out of the cave blind because of the frost on the windshield. Yeah. So like, yeah, I guess it's just old, go, you know, I... pre-imperial half salvage ship. Like, need to go back get the instrument rating, Mando. For sure. Um, I actually like the setup. The whole like, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be running a beacon, and like it reminded me a lot of Han Solo trying to bullshit his way out of situations, and then that uh, boring conversation anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have company. Um, and I wondered how they would do that because like I don't, I think this show because it is this young adult place. It's like they're really skirting the line about what the Mandalorian is is and is not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, my son's watching this with me, and he's he's fresh off playing some um ex, uh, some uh, squadron Star Wars squadrons, and he's like, I think the man, I think I think the Razor Crest is a cool ship, but he's got to go get sliced up by these X wings. Yeah, and I was thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, are they going to have the Mandalorian blow away Rebel pilots like the good guys? Like the Mandalorian is a good guy, but you know, it's like him running around killing cops. Like yeah, these yeah. guys are just doing their job. Um, and they, 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 they found this kind of middle path. I think it's a little hokey, but it does work at this storytelling level they're doing that the, you know, the rebel pilots, oh, it turns out you're a cool guy anyway. We'll just forget this ever happened. Um, yeah, I like they're good... not shooting him down immediately. It's, it feels yeah, very rebel. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to, they're trying to bring him in. And, uh, also I thought that it was like believable that like with, you know, some guile and pushing his machines to the limit. Like he didn't have a prayer of outrunning or out fighting these things, but he can like lose them in a very Han Solo like way. Yeah. Um, and crash through the ice and just this poor razor crest, man. <laughs> yeah. Is it ever going to run in pristine shape for longer than two episodes? <laughs> no. I, I mean, I, I assume he's got to just continue on his journey with them all stuffed into this cockpit. It, it's, do you know if at the end of this episode they're headed back to Moss Eisley or they headed on? I think, it, I think they're going to get 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 on with like because he you know but I but the thing is is what I don't you're assuming the Frog Lady is still going to be with them. I kind of assume that they're going to start and the Frog Lady is never mentioned again. Like it's they're just going to drop her off. Completed and... it. He still maybe has like damage to his ship and uh, he's got to yeah. get that fixed. But like I don't know that the Frog Lady is going to have much more. Although on the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if. If it is, I know there's a lot of people on on um, like the the official Mandalorian subreddit. They're, they're actively trying to figure out what's going to happen up next week. I kind of don't want to do that. Like, if you got some theories yeah, and stuff, yeah. I'll, I'll consider it. But I kind of like, and also it just seems like it frustrates you when you're like, oh, they're going to do this elaborate plan with Boba Fett, and he's going right. to go to this particular Jedi temple from from the the Dark Saber trilogy, and he's going to learn at the feet of like, and then you got Frog Lady speaking Frog, <laughs> and you're disappointed, and I got a big smile on my face. So yep. Yep. I know, I know which which I'd rather which which way I'd rather look underneath my Mandalorian helmet each uh, Friday morning. So yeah, it doesn't feel to me like they're going to yada yada Frog Lady out of the story. Um just because in the first episode they pick up right where they or this episode they pick up right where they left off from the first episode. That's true. That's true. Um so I expect them to like pick up right where they left off in the next episode, but maybe it'll be quick, you know, they'll just go to the planet, drop her off and then be on their way, but we'll see. Yeah. Also felt really good to see X-wings running some sort of canyon or trench again. Yeah, man, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, like like <laughs> if you'd have told me that they actually use the exact same cinematic action from the cockpit of them dropping in that canyon out of bullet. Cause I'm like, I kind of wonder if they did, cause it looked a lot, it looked a very, very similar, even from the cockpit schematics of what the trench looked like and stuff. I thought that was cool. 
Uh, so they wake up from the impact of falling into the ice cave, and Mando checks on Frog Lady Spawn, sees a huge hole in his ship, uh, and Baby Yoda scarfing down a few more eggs. Uh, Frog Lady tries to tell Mando something, but he can't understand it, and so everyone goes to sleep again. They're they're tired from having been knocked out for a while. <laughs> Plus, this idea that like I, concussions, I, I, I and, and she's like cold blooded, so I think there's this idea like she's visibly shivering and she's worried about her egg staying warm and her staying warm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a little bit of uh, um, a, a little bit of concern there in the plot. Absolutely. Um, and and then you know after they they go to sleep, Mando's awakened by. Zero, uh, whom Frog Lady has rigged up to translate for her. And she demands that he keep his end of the bargain, guilting him with the Mandalorian code, and he goes outside to assess the situation with his ship. Yeah, I like it. Because, you know, like Star Wars, you never know who's going to be good with, like, droids and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, in this universe, like, um, I think that's getting this droid rigged up to be a universal translator is roughly as hard as, like, plugging together a computer and a keyboard and a mouse and a monitor. I mean, if an Ugnaught can do it, come on. Well, now I thought Ugnaughts are canonically like proficient with technology. Are they? I don't know. They're little. Yeah. I thought they're like a little, like taking it to like a, like a water does it or a duck does the water. Okay. But yeah, like the, her, I I thought that was pretty funny. Like, you know, um, especially with his distrust, distrust of droids, especially assassin droids, this thing screaming at him in a dead sleep and him like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's just a frog lady with a microphone like yeah. <laughs> dropping yeah. a sick beat. Now, I like, uh, you know, Richard. I have no idea how to say this guy's last name. Richard, Richard, I, I don't know. But his the guy who plays Zero. About. Oh, uh, his his voice. Uh, I, I really like him. So seeing him come yeah, back yeah, was yeah. cool. Yeah. So then Baby Yoda tries to get Mando's attention as he's repairing the ship. Frog Lady has wandered off, apparently. Uh, Mando takes Baby Yoda deeper into the cave, following her footsteps, and they eventually find her relaxing with her eggs in a hot spring. Uh, Did you worry about Baby Yoda's ears getting so cold? I could, like, you know, those things are so thin and translucent that when, like, when light's behind him, you can see through him. I just kept on thinking, like, someone needs to, need to knit him a cap, Mando. Oh, get this, yeah. Get this baby's ears covered. Like, if, he, if, he, if these things fall off through the frostbite, he's going to be like 80% less cute. Oh, only 80? God, I can't. Hmm. I'm trying to imagine Baby Yoda without ears. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I think it all, it's It just looks like my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, get, get some muffs, get some muffs for this, uh, some some socks, throw them over the ears, especially when you're on an ice planet. Come on, I know yeah. you're not born and and you're, you weren't you weren't you weren't ready for this Mandalorian, but you're a dad now. Got to get mm-hmm. a hat for this kid. Uh, well, let me ask you this: Do you really need an infrared visor showing you the footsteps, the six inch deep footprints in the pristine blanket of cave snow? Mando, do you really need it? Can you not just like look at the ground with normal yeah, human and, 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 vision? And how much in how much heat energy is left behind these footprints? By the way, too <sighs> yeah. on this on this like I I thought like when we had the Cara Dun, Dun, Dune see, uh, scene where he tracked her down on by using her footprints, I thought that was kind of like okay. I don't know how long you can tell footprints from, but maybe especially it's, through um, shoes, through boots. 
I don't yeah, know. I wonder if it's less. You're supposed to understand it's less infrared and more of just like a special visual tracking thing. So yeah, it's like yeah. any any foot sign, it's just gonna like a slight tread mark or broken branches. It's gonna extrapolate and let him track or something. Again, I yeah, ask you, can you not literally follow a path of footsteps? <laughs> sure, that's that. That's a fair point too. That's a fair point. I think you can even sell that. Like I like before he used his fancy vision, I could see it. Right. You yeah. Know? Me too. Uh, yeah. I get it with broken twigs. You might want to like point those out. Sure. Yeah, going to Batman, going to Batman detective mode, but uh, yeah. otherwise. So Baby Yoda follows its nose to another set of eggs, which turn out to be the facehuggers from Aliens. Uh, okay, not really. They're some kind of like ice spider creatures. Uh, they all hatch at the exact same time, and Mama Spider, I don't know, big, big spider shows up to chase them all back to the ship. They're, they're almost overrun in the process, but they managed to seal themselves into the cockpit. Um, so this is a really cool scene and I rec, I actually recognize these, um, the, 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 the source of this, the, these, these spiders, but they are these, uh, this is from a concept art from Ralph McQuarrie. Ralph McQuarrie is responsible for everything that you love and is cool about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. If you like the way C-3PO looks, you like the Darth Vader's helmet design, if you like the way the X-Wings look, if you uh, like any of that stuff, it's because Ralph McQuarrie drew it. And he had this concept. You can see, like, this is a scene from Dagobah uh, where Luke is exploring the planet and there's this milky white spider that's laying eggs, recognizably the same eggs. Um, and his idea is if you look in the, the, the background of these trees in Dagobah, you'll notice that they look a lot like the spider. And he had this idea that like, these are going to be like, um, uh, coral, like real life corals, like and corals start off as like this mobile creature when they're spawned and they eat food and then they land someplace and then they put down roots and they become a coral reef. Right. So the idea is that you'd have this like uh, the early stage of this organism is this mobile thing that goes around carnivorously eating things and spreading its its seed. And then once it got too big, it would kind of sink its feet into the ground and become a tree, you know, to convert into like a coral reef. That's cool. Um, So, yeah, this this uh, this concept is actually, you know, obviously it's not an ice spider, um, but they adapted it to this. And I don't think the species has a name. Um, this also inspired um, the uh, show Rebels that we've talked about being a lot of inspiration for the the, the plot of this. Um, there were these spiders called the Krykna that were featured in several. They looked a lot like this, but they weren't like on an ice planet either. So um, the, the showrunners confirmed that they were inspired. Actually, both of those things, the Rebels thing and this Mandalorian creature were inspired by that original artwork by Ralph McQuarrie. And, um, and I think it's, it, it's, it just looks really cool. Um, yeah. And you can see a re- shot very similar to that at the end of, uh, the episode in the concept art. Oh, the concept art. Yeah. Which is, yeah. so I, I love, like, it's one of the few, uh, shows I watch the, the credits of, uh, right. all the way through because it's the, the, uh, I like the song. And I, sure. I love the concept art even more. And that's the cool thing um, that they're doing with Mando, I think, is like between <laughs> Frog Lady and Dr. Mandible uh, and then these ice spiders that they're pulling from the original trilogy, they're kind of doing both things with the lore here. They're both creating uh, new lore for the future of Star Wars, but they're also referencing the old lore. And sometimes they're doing neither, right? They're just throwing something stupid out like Frog Lady which mm-hmm. they'll probably fill in later. And 
and this is very much what the original Star Wars did. Like, if you remember the original cantina scene, when they walk in, there are 50 fucking aliens with Halloween store masks on, right? And, you know, you got the Athorians, you got all these different types of, of aliens. We only really meet one, Greedo, a Rodian, and then the other ones you're left to speculate about. And eventually, they'll come back and fill them in. And I think that's super cool. Like, not knowing everything about everything in the universe, not feeling like you have to give those details. Because... If you look at, like, uh, Solo, that's one of the things I think people didn't like about Solo, right, is that they tried to fill every single gap in Han Solo and Chewbacca's yeah. relationship and Han Solo's origin and just, like, Down it was to too name, much. where he got his blaster, where, like, like yeah. maybe one out of five of those things would have felt real, but it starts to feel very forced once you start to try Absolutely. And, and, and also, that's one of the things that we complain about in the prequels is like, you know, oh, Chewbacca is old friends with Yoda. Yeah, it feels and a little Anakin too And Anakin Skywalker built C-3PO. And like, suddenly you've got this vast galaxy. Um, uh, and it's it, it now starts to feel like a small town where everybody yeah. knows each other and everyone's related to each other. It, 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 it robs some of the grandeur and mystery from the, the larger galactic uh, uh, scene, scenery. So... I do like this, uh, this concept is Ralph McQuarrie's concept or he called it a gnarl tree. Uh, these Dagobah trees that had the, the sessile uh, juvenile stage. Um, I, I like that. And this, your point about the cantina is good too, because like I, they might've filled that in, in the years to come. Like once uh Kenner got going, it's like, Oh yeah, everybody yeah. needs a name and you need an action figure and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but for a lot, yeah, it's like star Wars was just like, of course you're not going to know. Like, if you walk into an international airport, you're not going to know, like, <laughs> what country everybody comes from just by looking at them and hearing them talk. It's like, it's yeah. what well, it would be the point. The world's a big place and the galaxy's even bigger. So it's a great way to build the world build. Yeah. It does feel like they're opening this world back up in Mandalorian. Yeah. Not have to, like, there can be here, here, there be dragons every once in a while. You don't, you don't need to catalog and Wikipedia everything. <laughs> All right, we we move on to Mando firing up the engines uh, to get them out of the cave, but another very large spider shows up. Maybe the same one. I, I was trying to look at its face to see if it was all blown up uh, from that grenade he tossed at it. Yeah, I wondered. It, it, you're right, because you, I don't think we actually saw it die, but on the other hand, like, you know, where there's a papa or mama spider, there's probably the the pair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I thought, like, it could be that you got two parents or something. Uh, whatever it is, it shows up and begins thrashing the ship like a, like the Minox or something. Like it's a pretty cool scene there. Uh, and it's killed by outside blaster fire, which uh, saves them. Turns out to be those X-wing pilots who were tracking him. Uh, they let him go because he left the other criminals in that cell on that prison transport ship in season one, episode six. If you don't remember that, uh, and he also tried to save their crewmen, which I think is super important. But yeah, he's, he essentially did a three for one criminal exchange. That other criminal didn't make it like he they, they blew up the whole space station. Right. So no, no one really got lost. Oh, and right. Then, right. And then he he allowed their their rebel trooper to, or tried to save the rebel trooper anyway. Tried to. Uh, but they I love how they draw the line at helping him repair his ship. They're like, no, we're letting yeah. you go. Don't push your luck, bud. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're yeah, they're nice guys, but they're they're good guys, but they're not nice guys, you know. Yeah. Um, no, it's great. Speaking of like the we we kind of yada yada over the the running battle, but I really thought yeah. that there was a nice like kinetic sense of that and like 
Um, you thought the baby O was going to get left behind and him trying to keep up. And then you thought the frog lady, because uh, I know my son is very concerned the frog lady is going to get eaten. Yeah, it's like I'm R2-D2 like, in a chase, right? Is what right. you're but then, but but then she goes in the frog lady mode and just starts bounding past him. I thought that was really cool, and I almost feel like the flame, the wrist flamethrower, is a little overused. And I really liked the way they visualize it this time. They give it a little bit of visual interest. They have it, like him firing the thing up on his wrist with a close inset, and then you go in a wide angle from around the the ice cave, and you see it illuminate. Like he's just lighting yeah. these these things up. Um, and then him torching it in their cabin like that felt like, you know, uh, I honestly is like, Jesus, I don't know how they're going to get away with this. And then as soon as you hear the whack, 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 I'm like, oh, it's the X-Wing guys. And they make um, these rebel, uh, the, the New Republic troopers look amazing as well, like huge badasses, right? Like they're sitting yeah. there with the rifles, like rapid fire, picking these things off sure, from yards away. Sure. It's it's really good. Yeah, yeah, they feel uh, they feel like real badasses. It reminds me of uh, I wonder if they're in a, they're supposed to be in some elite unit like Rogue Squadron because like Rogue Squadron yeah. always had that too. Like uh, they're mostly pilots, but also they would do like undercover infiltration type stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever read though? Because like there's a whole series of Rogue Squadron books, so it's all like Wedge was the main guy, and yeah, those are one of the few that I didn't read. I I just yeah. wasn't super interested in. <laughs> Wedge Antilles adventures. I couldn't get, I've probably read a hundred different Star Wars novels and yeah. Star Trek for that matter, uh, between the ages of like 12 and 20. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I remember those, I remember them being a lot of fun. Like this, the idea that you had a special forces air unit in the rebel Alliance. Um, yeah. maybe they're hinting at that. Cause I always thought, I thought it was weird. It's like, wow, they, uh, uh, are these guys kind of like Marines where it's like every pilot's a rifleman too, because they were, <laughs> going to town on those spiders hell yeah they were uh i thought it was hilarious that he's prisoner x 69 11 it it's like let's just take all the numbers we can think of that are haha funny uh you know have some kind of meaning symbolism and jam them together what's the 11 9 11 like i it's x 69 11 11 oh my god (laughs) yeah i'm like really I don't know. Favreau, you're, you're, you're memeing a little too close to the sun, buddy. I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even notice it. So, yeah, uh, it, it was really surprising to me also that, uh, they're complaining about the frosted over windows as they're, you know, potentially flying out of this cave blind. And he's like, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Motherfucker is in the vacuum of space. <laughs> the frozen void of, of space doesn't have defrost, no defrost whatsoever. Impossible. Uh, the, I, I will say that the humidity in outer space is often very low. That's you don't true. get a lot Extremely of condensation low. you got to deal with. Because um, yeah. j- my, my boy said the same thing. He's like, this, seriously, this guy doesn't have dif- window defrosters <laughs> on this advanced ship. And I said, hey, hey, it's pre-imperial. That's true. That's true. They didn't need uh, it back then. Yeah. yeah. But, but back in my day, you know, in space. you got out in the car and you got the ice scraper out. Uh yeah. You scraped all the frost off your windshield before you went to space. You really want to go broke in Star Wars, uh, start a moisture farm in an asteroid belt. It's just your boy going to going to going to burn through that seed money like like crazy. Um, I also love the Mandalorian making these like completely like jet black jokes like, uh, hey, uh, let me know if uh, this happens, this happens or if that door gets sucked off of its railings. Oh, never mind. We'll all die. We'll, we'll all be dead before you can say anything. <laughs> uh-huh. Night, night. You know, and then 
cutting the baby Yoda and, and he's horfing another egg. Yeah, he had that right last one tucked the, away. Right that, underneath the eyes of the mom. Yeah, she's she's conked out. Uh, yeah, and that's the end of the episode. They they fly out of there. Um, they they all you know pile into the cockpit, which is the only part of the ship that will still hold a seal. Uh, can still be, you know, compressed. Uh, and, and even that took some work because yeah. he had to patch a couple spider holes. Like he, like God damn, you can you can fix a lot of shit with a lunchbox size toolkit in the Star Wars universe. I tell you what, for sure. That and like a Leatherman multi-tool, and you can you can you can fix a hyperdrive, weld together duranium or durasteel, whatever the hell the Star Wars equivalent is. It's yeah, get it patched up. That, that thing is, is in bad be shape. A problem still, right? Like, oh yeah, I think so. I wonder if they'd be like, I wonder if they are setting up some kind of limitation this this uh, season that you know he's got to have the ship to work, but he's got to work to repair the ship and it's going to, you know, mm. keep, keep him busy on a lot. Cause like a lot of side, quests. you know, it's like this escort mission is going to go on the Mandalorian. Yeah. Why wouldn't he single-mindedly go on his main mission? Yeah. You almost have to cripple him so that he has to do side jobs so he can get back to the main quest. So you can have the structure, which again, uh, like if, if you're finding this frustrating, I really think you gotta, you gotta find a tank full of cope and inhale that stuff because otherwise you, it's, it's going to, it's going to kill you. Because yeah. this is what this show is. This is the engine it runs on. If you get distracted, or if you hate it that he goes on three episode side quests and you want to get back to Boba Fett, bail now because that's what you're going to get from the the Mandalorian. Well, okay, that that uh, that deals with the passenger. We'll see if we're going to be still dealing with the frog lady next week. But uh, I think it's time to move on to the feedback section, Jim. If you'd like to send in uh, feedback for your cons- or for our consideration, rather uh, do so at Mando at baldmove.com or of course uh, there's a Mandalorian thread on our forums forums.baldmove.com that you can participate in each week if you'd care to first up Jake from our hometown of Cincinnati said what's good fellas there's been a lot of speculation on Baby Yoda's origins and the debate on your show and other places is could Baby Yoda be a clone uh, Kuil, uh who's the Ugnot character that heroically sacrificed himself at the end of last season claimed that the child was not a clone but we also have a doctor who is rolling with the Werner Herzog character that was featuring Camino cloners badges mm, on his, right. his outfit. Uh, someone's feedback in your coverage got me thinking. Maybe it's a bit of both, like in like in the likes of Boba Fett's origin. If you remember from the prequel trilogy, uh, go to Camino and visit these cloners, I will, said Yoda. What if uh, while he's there, either by will or unknowingly, an unaltered clone of Yoda was made on Camino, which would be approximately 50 years ago? Maybe a quote-unquote unaltered clone would register as more organic to uh, Kawil. Not the biggest Star Wars buff, but the timeline seems pretty close. This could bring in a connection between the origins of Season 1, Episode 1, Surprise Baby Yoda, and the Season 2, Episode 1, Surprise, Alive Boba Fett, the unaltered clone of his father. Love to know your thoughts. Um, I think it's an interesting idea. Actually, I wanted to Mm -hmm. consider the next uh, email because they kind of go hand-in-hand in theory crafting. Okay. Uh, because, uh, you know, Jake, you're saying you're not super up on the Star Wars lore as far as the timeline. I'm a little fuzzy myself. Thomas Wiseau. Wiseau? Wiseau? Tommy Wiseau? Tommy? I, it, it, it's entirely possible that the famed writer, producer, and director of Holy The Room shit. is a fan of The Mandalorian and The Tribe of Two. I don't know. But okay. uh, one Thomas Wiseau said, I want to drop a little tidbit about the age of the child. The child was 50 during the opening of chapter one. Okay. First of all, since we're breaking this down in detail, was your confidence that a bounty record 
wanted poster would have the exact age of this child and it'd be correct. Because I don't well, have a high Werner Herzog tells him that he's 50, right? Yeah, it's a nice round number. Not 53, not 47, yeah, yeah. 50. Like that point. screams approximate age to me. Yeah. So like, I, I wonder if you can actually plug these numbers in like a linear equation. I don't know. Uh, but Thomas says um, he was 50 during the opening of chapter one, which is dated at nine, the year nine ABY after the Battle of Yavin. This is, you probably should get used to this nomenclature because that's just like ADBC for Star Wars nerds. Wait, so um, so before that would have been BBY? I don't I don't like that. Yep, I don't yep, like that BBY. at all. BBY. Before the yeah. Battle of Yavin, baby. I I was I was born in 18, baby. <laughs> BBY, baby. Yeah. Uh The Return of the Jedi takes place in 4 ABY, which is when Yoda dies, meaning the child was already 45 years old. Okay. Um this isn't the end of the story though. The Revenge of the Sith takes place in 19 BBY before the Battle of Yavin, and is when Luke and Leia is born. No huge tie-in there as a child is still already 22 years old. However, if we look back one more generation, we find Anakin Skywalker, father of the twins, who at the time is also, you guessed it, 22 years old. The prophesied one, the one thought to bring balance to the Force, one of the strongest natural Jedi ever seen, and he seems to share birth year with the child. Mildly interesting, to say the least. Um... Is it possible that this baby Yoda is another one of those virgences in the Force? Uh, like perhaps a light side one to Anakin's eventual dark side? Yeah, I think somebody wrote in last week um, to say that that was like the working theory they had, um, the 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 couple there. Um, hmm. And it, it felt right, you know, it felt like an Anakin-Luke uh, Emperor situation, like the balance in the Force sort of thing. Yeah, um, but also, so yeah, the, the unfortunately, the clone thing feels like it's like 15 years off. Um, it does, yeah. But I was also, um, yeah, I, I was also trying to do, try to figure out this timeline because I don't feel like Boba Fett, he's either looking too old or not old enough. I mean, I, I guess some of that is like he spent some time in the belly of a Sarlacc, so who knows what that does to you. But yeah. I was trying to do the math on... That because he was like a couple years younger than Anakin in. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like how old Boba Fett should be. Those are like, like digestive juices. They they really they they have moisturizing properties, very moisturizing <laughs> properties. Right up until they kill you and dissolve you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All the ladies in Coruscant they they buy that. Uh, yeah. it's like Botox for them. You know that you thousand years little, little. It's it's heavy. right. <laughs> yeah, you get you get the right amount, and you you got the face of an eighteen year old for a thousand years, a little too much, and uh, you turn into a skeleton. Yep. Uh, when you wake up, so got, <laughs> you got you got to get it just right. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little bit, I think, more content to let the mystery be on mm-hmm. this thing and let the show kind of, um, because the other thing I think people are maybe getting themselves set up for disappointment is relying on too much of the Star Wars legend stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because they are definitely borrowing the concepts and characters and all that. But like if you think that like Favreau and and uh, Fellini Filoni uh is going to be beholden to these cartoons when they have an idea to do something different. Like, I just, I think, I, I, I don't think they're going to, like, do something that would inflame the fan base. And, and, but I do think if they think something's cooler, that they'll just change it. And, like, yeah. well, it's a Star Wars legend. What are you going to do? Absolutely. Because uh, I don't, 
is is rebels part of the star wars canon like i know it came out relatively but i had this idea that like before i, I guess it would be i, I think it came out so. the same time when disney had so it is all kind of canon so I, they got to be careful yeah but then you know i don't know like there's the also the warhammer way to look at it which is everything's canon but not everything's true okay like uh-huh. like this is an official story that came out of this but maybe it's a rumor Maybe things got lost in translation. Maybe things got exaggerated to suit certain agendas. Maybe there's propaganda that 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 happened that, that changed people's memories of the events. So I think I don't know that fan science fiction canon, any kind of fantasy canon, it's 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 a it's a, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. So, uh, but I appreciate everybody's theorizing and and uh, getting all the timelines and stuff out. Uh, Rob Quay. Uh, wrote us in and says this is one of these great callbacks to the legend content uh, I talked about how I thought it was weird that this guy's name is Weeque, which is their species name and he says as we learn in Tales from the Jabba's Palace uh, I think that's a book series right uh, was, I never I don't think it was one in the Bounty Hunter trilogy um, which I, I read that one that's the one isn't that the Tales the of, I thought there was, this, there was like Tales from the Bounty Hunt, Tales of the, from the Bounty Hunters, Tales from Jabba's Palace, oh, and Tales I, from something else. Yeah, I think like that was like a series Tales of from short the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like an anthology set. Mm-hmm. I can't. Rem- I don't remember this one in particular, but it says, as we learned from Tales from Jabba's Palace, that all the Weequays were called Weequay. I forget the details, but somehow there's a way to tell like Jim Quay from A Quay and all the other different Quays, but they're all called Weequay. Okay. Uh, I I giggled when it happened in the episode. My wife just kind of rolled her eyes and went back to her phone. Um, yeah, I yeah. Okay, so that's that's cool. I misremembered the detail. I thought they did have names because they're individuals, and uh, maybe the joke was that no one could tell them the a different a part in Jabba's palace. But like, I didn't remember. I misremembered the detail that like they are all called Weequay, which is minor ways to tell them apart. So, hmm. um, I figured the show would get it right. You know, if it's between Aaron's 30 year old memory and these guys doing it, I'm going to trust these guys every time. Uh, Finally, we have Vicky Nolan. I thought it was cute how optimistic you were about the space warlocks not being part of the picture until at least 2022. Uh, We've got a pandemic, half the world on fire. We're up to Hurricane Etta, murder hornets. I feel like someone has to have space warlocks in their 2020 bingo card. Uh, Maybe. Maybe, but as you point out, we have the Mandalorian back and uh, bring on the space, bring on the horrifying space warlocks. I played Destiny. I know what to do with those guys. Uh, sure. So <laughs> um, that's it for the feedback we got. If you'd like to send us some more feedback, if you got some more hot timelines with the BBY and the ABY and the BBYODA, Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know at mando at baldmove.com again or forums forums.baldmove.com if you'd like to discuss things with our bald move community uh, really appreciate everybody stopping by this week we'll be back next Friday with another exciting episode of The Mandalorian until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim have a great weekend <laughs>